Welcome. You're listening to WO Voices, a podcast series from Women in Optometry magazine. I'm Marjolyn Bailefeld, editor of Women in Optometry. We're delighted you could join us. We're here today with Dr. Kim Friedman from Morristown, New Jersey. Yep. Welcome, Dr. Friedman. Thanks so much for having me. We met years and years and years ago when you were doing a lot of communications for the New Jersey Society of Optometric Physicians. At that time, you were really making a name for yourself, going on TV shows, Mm -hmm. talking about eye health issues. Uh, Tell us how that came about. Well, when I was the president of the NJSOP, New Jersey Society of Optometric Physicians, we had recently had a little bit of a black eye in the press. We had gone for some legislation that did not go as well as we had pleased, and it was viewed in some segments of the population as not being very positive for the public. Um, So we had a little bit of a black eye in the PR department. So one of the things that we did was set out to sort of educate the public about optometry. We realized that a lot of people maybe didn't have a clear impression of what optometrists uh, did and how we assisted our patients. So we really embarked on a very calculated attempt to help to educate the public about the importance of comprehensive annual eye exams and the importance of optometry as a profession. And you did that on The Rachel Ray Show? You did that on other morning shows? Right. It started with sort of a two-pronged approach, I would say. We had a wonderful uh, marketing PR person named Rebecca Kelly at the time, and she did a kind of two-pronged approach with an attempt in uh, written press uh, through Philadelphia Inquirer, Asbury Park Press, things like that, as well as press releases to various television stations that did ultimately get picked up. So we did a lot of morning television programming, often out of Philadelphia, some out of New York, some out of uh, Wilmington, Delaware, and uh, ultimately did get picked up by some national outlets as well, like CNN and uh, The Rachel Ray Show. That's so exciting. It was a lot and- of fun. That was new to you. You you were oh, not absolutely. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I the blind leading the blind. I, you know, I, it really worked out well. I had had some media training back when I was a teenager for some things I was doing, but it was definitely um, on a grander scale than I ever expected. <laughs> right, right. Now we we've talked before. You you made a choice at some point to to not do that so actively anymore. Right. Um, so morning television requires getting up at 3 a.m., 4 a.m., you know, and uh, driving into the city or, or taking the train into the city. And you're on set for, you know, maybe all of one minute, two minutes for a 60-second a blurb or, or maybe, if you're lucky, a, a two- or three-minute blurb that's going to be on morning television. And it was important, and I loved it. But the flip was that I was missing those mornings with my daughter. And um, at the time, my daughter would have been probably in middle school. And the reality is I'm a morning person. My husband's not. That morning time with my daughter was precious to me. We sat and had breakfast together every day and talked before she went to school. And uh, the combination of missing that morning time with my daughter, plus getting up early, going in and doing a morning shoot, and then having to go and work 10 hours in the office... It was exhausting. And Mm -hmm. ultimately, I decided I needed to pull back from that a little bit. And that's such an interesting idea because you are a a private practice owner. You've Mm -hmm. got four ODs working in the the practice. You 
uh, one of your practice partners is your husband. Correct. Mm -hmm. So you have all these things to balance. You just mentioned your daughter, wife, mother, practice owner, employer, uh, responsible for all these people. It's so much to juggle. It Um, is. What strategies do you use to keep your your life in balance? (laughs) Sanity or lack thereof sanity (laughs) at times. Um, I think that I had a very good role model in my mother. Um, She was able to juggle a lot with her career, and she was a phenomenal mother. And uh, she also taught me the value of yoga in my life. And um, so I certainly have fallen back on the practice of yoga. And in fact, I teach yoga and have done that for, for a very long time now. And uh, that provides me some balance. I've certainly made a lot of mistakes along the way. Um, I think that it took until I was in my 50s before I realized that you really do have to take care of yourself and not put yourself last and um, not say yes to every little thing that comes along. And and that took me a long time to learn. Uh, I think maybe I'm still learning that a bit. And uh, my, my rule that I live by on a day-to-day basis is the five-minute rule. If something comes across my desk that needs to be done and it's going to take me less than five minutes to do it, I will do it now. I am not putting it to the side. I am not going to add it to the pile. So anything that comes across five minutes or less, do it now and don't let it pile up. And that has always served well for me. <laughs> it's a great it's a great rule. I've heard that one from from somebody, too. And, and you know, I try to incorporate it. But... Then the challenge is not to look at your phone at 3 a.m. and see the thing that you could do in five minutes there because, you know, suddenly you're working. Absolutely. (laughs) There are times that I have literally had to change my my ringtone um, or my notification that comes from a text message because I'll notice that when a text message comes in, I'll get anxious. And then when I realize that's happening, I'm like, all right, time to change the tone. I'm associating that tone with you got to get to work. You got to be on, you know. And so something as silly as changing my tone has like alleviated some of that kind of you got to be on right now when I notice myself falling into that. It's a silly thing, but it's helped me. Now, your career unfolded fairly traditionally. You and your husband were married while you were almost finished with graduates with uh, optometry school. Right. And you had a plan to open a practice together and and you did that. Um, Were there wrinkles along the way? Sure. Yeah. I I think anybody notices ups and downs and hills and valleys in their, in their trajectory of their career. I think probably the thing that surprised me the most was I didn't have a concept of how much time it would take to basically do the functions of our job that is not doctoring, that is not taking care of patients. Um, so I recently, uh, along with my husband, um, reworked our schedules because we just realized that we were basically doing two full-time jobs. Mm -hmm. We were working full-time taking care of patients and we were working full-time in the management of the business. And something had to give, you know, so we're fortunate that we've had the practice for many years and we could restructure things. And we we just hired our second full time associate so that we could start to have more time dedicated to just the management aspects. But I I think that that was surprising to me as to how much time and energy that would take. And where do you learn your management strategies? Is it all the school of hard knocks or? That's part of it. Um, But I do think 
interrelationships of, uh, with our colleagues are crucially important. Um, in New Jersey, we have a mentoring program. So I have a few um, younger ODs that are assigned to me. And uh, one, in fact, called me recently with some uh, request for assistance in negotiating with her employer. Um, I think that you need to have good role models. You need to have, whether colleagues that are on the same path as you, colleagues that have already been there and done that, and mm-hmm. that you can rely on their expertise, or people that are just starting out and maybe have a different idea that they've learned in, in their schooling that you didn't learn. So I think not feeling as though you're on an island, You know, making sure that you can call your colleagues and friends I have different colleagues and friends I call for different things. You know, mm-hmm. if, if it's a business question, I might go to Dr. A. If it's a how do I juggle being a mom and, and doing this, I might go to some of my girlfriends who mm-hmm. happen to also be optometrists, you mm-hmm. know. So having that network behind you is important. And you created that network through the NJSOP or through other Activities. I mean, I think different people have different paths. For me, it was definitely organized optometry. Mm-hmm. I think that whether you know, it's the AOA, your local organization, your state organization, the Academy of Optometry, I think organized optometry in general has provided so many benefits to me in my career path, in my education. Um, throughout the years, it has really been invaluable. And so for me, a lot of it was through organized optometry. Um, but it could be other sources as well. It could be a local, you know, group of optometrists that just call each other and say, hey, let's get together and get a cup of coffee and chat. You know, it, there's a lot of different opportunities for us to network. Um, and with the advent of various social media, you see that um, with Facebook and all those groups that have formed. So lots of ways to be social with an optometry right. now that maybe weren't there before. Right, right. And uh, that's true. Crowdsourcing a problem is, right. is almost instant. Right. That you get it really this, is. Uh, it really is. Feedback. Right. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the yoga again, because that's an, mm-hmm. an area that interests me. When Women in Optometry did a poll of, of uh, our readers and said, you know, what issues do you feel are a particular challenge to you as a, as a woman OD? Uh, self-care mm-hmm. and balance were high on the list. Um, And that might be true for for every OD, but for the women selected it as as an issue for them. And is, obviously you had an an intro already to to yoga through your mother and and your grandmother. Right, right, right. But how did you decide that it was a part of helping you deal with your professional life? I think that it Growing up, knowing about yoga, literally unrolling the yoga mat with my mother in the living room when I was probably five, I'm not sure that I knew any other way. You know, it was normal to me, so I just it just came natural. I will say that when I was in optometry school during those heavy studying years, I definitely drifted away. Mm-hmm. I, I think that I kind of became very mono focused in in the education process, and you know, getting straight A's and all those lovely things that I probably put way too much emphasis on. But you know, sometimes the pendulum swings a little far, and then it swings back again. So it's all a learning process as we go through life and. 
certainly the the yoga has given me the balance that I need sometimes. I was uh, joking with my, my, my staff the other day. It's not unusual for me to go in the room when I'm frustrated or when I'm behind or when I'm like really like Ugh, in the office and juggling too many things at once and actually go in my room, shut the door and do tree pose, you know, <laughs> because it just instantly brings me back. If you got to balance on one leg, you got to find balance. You know, you've got to be able to kind of bring the practice of yoga off the mat and into your day-to-day life. And certainly it has taught me to breathe. It has taught me perspective. It has taught me to, you know, learn to see things from a, uh, a larger scale maybe and uh, not get as caught up in the small stuff at times. I think it's so fascinating because so many people have their regimens outside of work. You know, you do your run before right. you go to work or, but this is something you can actually literally bring into the office right. with you. So you, you say the tree pose right. is, is one, is there, are there like two or three things that somebody can do in the middle of the day to kind of uh, reground themselves? Right. The most important thing, breathe. <laughs> I mean, I will catch myself like, yeah. you know, when I'm busy and all of a sudden I realize I'm doing this really deep. I mean, really superficial, shallow breath, really fast. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you try it yourself. If you just sit there and do a superficial, shallow breath really quickly, you're going to find yourself amping up. You're going to find yourself like getting really kind of hyper. And if you kind of take that deep, full breath, as silly as it is, just a deep, full breath, it will bring you back to center, kind of get you a little bit more ready for your day and a little bit maybe clearer thoughts so that you can move a little bit more efficiently through whatever it is you have facing you. Um, And then there's just those silly little things like a forward fold, like literally just doing a forward bend that really grounds you and begins to kind of calm you a little bit. You know, I'm not doing funky pretzel poses in my room in the office. You know, I'm not standing on my head. Um, But there are definitely just a few little simple things like breathing or just taking the time to stretch, take the time to take the arms up overhead and just give it a big stretch. Anything like that, that we, we don't normally incorporate into our day-to-day life. The practice of yoga or any type of practice like that, the concept is that it's not relegated to a mat in a room at a certain time or a certain place. The idea is to bring that into your day-to-day life. It's not just about a practice when you go to the gym. It's about how you deal with day-to-day life and incorporate it. And I think optometrists, especially those who are dealing with a four-opter or something like that, there must really be uh, tension Mm -hmm. that builds up in Mm -hmm. in your body over the course of a day. You're standing up. You're, you know, manipulating things up over your head. Um, Do you you find that simple movements can, can... Absolutely. Prolong your comfort for Absolutely. the day. Uh-huh. Well, since my husband and I are both in our 50s, all these years of doing which is better one or two with the arm up like this. I mean, we re- recently got the, the TRS for that purpose because right. we love it. We don't have to do the, the reaching up anymore. Um, but yeah, absolutely. And 
like any job, there's certain repetitive movements that we do. And a lot of times it's shoulder-based, hands-based, you know, but those are the repetitive movements that we do. So any type of movements that you can just take during the day to give yourself like, you know, a little, little side bend, you know, to the side to stretch mm-hmm. out or any type of, there's these silly little things where you can cross your arms and go up and down to give a little stretch with the arms mm-hmm. and the shoulders. And I know it looks ridiculous me doing this right now, no, it feels but those good. kinds of things really help <laughs> open you up because we tend to sit like this yeah. in our culture all day. So just remembering to open up. That's true. Yeah. And uh, I suppose there's a the, sort of the figurative uh, idea too of opening up, you know, that there's more opportunities if Absolutely. you're, if you're open to them. Right. And um, you've, you've found opportunities that perhaps you didn't envision for yourself when you were in optometry school. Right. I think that our uh, our dream in optometry school was to open our own practice and 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 fortunately we've been very lucky in in that we were able to kind of reach that dream. However, what I didn't expect was that I would find yeah, the the joke in my office is that I have career ADD. I get bored easily. I, I need to constantly reinvent. And whether it's purchasing a new piece of equipment to reinvigorate mm-hmm. you or whether it's bringing in a new specialty in your office to, to reignite your passion. In my case, recently, I've been doing a lot more consulting work and lecturing and, you know, just always changing it up so it doesn't get stale. It doesn't get boring. I think that's probably an analogy for life, right? We, we easily get into routines and get stale and get bored. And I just find that every few years, I kind of get a, an itch to reinvent through some way. And as long as I can keep doing that and re- re-evolving and reinventing, I stay very connected and passionate about optometry. And you've recently added a dry eye center? To we did. Office? In 2016, I added mm-hmm. a dry eye center to our office. And I do spend most of my time um, working in the dry eye clinic at this point. I love it. I'm passionate about it. I also happen to have Sjogren's. So, you know, it came from a place of knowing what it's like to be on the other side of the chair with that. So um, it's been a wonderful addition to our practice. And to, to get into dry eye, did you go, did you go whole hog? Did you kind of, uh, you know, begin to dabble in it? I think what I did was, um, I had some time where I really started to study a bit, started to read the, the, the deep studies that, you know, usually sit on the shelf and don't get read. And I forced myself to take the time to kind of read this, go to a few of these extra classes about it just to educate myself And, um, it, I did kind of go whole hog. I, I kind of flipped a switch on it one day and said, all right, this is really what I want to do. And, and, um, it took a little while to work out the kinks, you know, but, uh, it's, it's really been a wonderful addition to the practice to bring in these little subspecialties. And I really enjoy it. And you know how much it means to the people, especially the women uh, with Sjogren's or, or other, you know, dry eye conditions. What women don't, complain. You know, they're busy taking care of everybody else. And so what happens is, you know, they will think that this is just aging. This is just menopause. This is just the way it is. This is, I'm going to have to put up with this. And until a doctor takes the time to actually explore what their symptoms are, what they're experiencing and educate them that there's actually something we can do about it. You know, a lot of times they're so relieved and so thankful and so grateful because nobody took the time to explain to them that, you know, you don't have to live with this. There are things we can do about this. And, um, so I find it very professionally satisfying. That's wonderful. Yeah. And you've, you've given yourself the opportunity to, to explore things like that by 
also closing out some doors. I mean, we, we right. talked a little bit about compromise and yeah, that, you know, you can't do it all. Like, I think that maybe when I was growing up in the, in the seventies and you know, there was this myth that we can do it all. And again, I think the pendulum has swung back a little bit. You, you can do a whole lot, but you do have to make choices and mm-hmm. you have to choose wisely and choose what really resonates in your heart as, as, as what you want to do. So there were things I had to stop. I had to stop doing the television. I loved doing the television. It was a lot of fun, but it just wasn't my top priority at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, um, when my daughter was young, like real young, under the age of five, you know, I was pretty much a stay-at-home mom. It's what I wanted to do. I was fortunate enough that I worked with my husband, so we, I could work a few hours each week. He would come home from work. I would hand off the baby and go to work for a few hours so I could speak in adult language for a while. But those are choices that I made and I would make them again in a heartbeat. So I think that we need to learn to prioritize what really truly speaks to our heart and to be okay with saying no and saying, you know, that I I don't have to put that on the back burner forever, but maybe that's on the back burner for right now. And Mm -hmm. maybe it'll resurface in a few years because we keep evolving and changing. Dr. Friedman, thank you so much for being here. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. Oh, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening. I hope you join us again next time on WL Voices. If you'd like to be part of our podcast series, please contact us. You can email us at wovoicesonline at gmail.com or via our website, womeninoptometry.com, on Facebook at WL Magazine, or through Twitter or Instagram at WomenODs. See you next time.